looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want to host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Mmm, I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Mm -mm Mmm-mm-mm. Don't mess with me, I'm one crazy mofo. Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shock suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from Wee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com. Hey, this is Brett Boone, former Major League All-Star, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Hey folks, it's your least favorite host in the podcast world, your croc, Jonathan Steele. And boy, do we have a good one for you today. Alright, Grassroots Baseball, where legends begin. This book features more than 250 of the best images of all levels of the amateur game in the States and some of the world's top bets, baseball around the world. 
copies can be grabbed at grassrootsbaseball.com. Right now, Jeff Idelson and Gene Froth. How you guys doing? Doing just great. Thanks for having us. Jeff? Good, then thank you so much for having us on. Great. So where are you guys currently located? Uh, San Francisco. Oh, beautiful. Nice part of the country. And Jeff was mentioning in the email exchanges, you were doing some uh, giant games and athletic games recently, correct? Uh, yeah, and I was actually just at Chase Field as well. Uh, my next game is tomorrow. Uh, the Oakland A's will be at the San Francisco Giants. And we have a 4.07 start, so I'm really excited about that. We should get some pretty light. And Jeff, uh, where part in the country are you currently? Are you still in the San Fran area as well? I sure am. in beautiful part of the country and great to have two home teams to root for. Oh, that's for sure. Uh, well... Quick introduction for you two as well, and I'll start with ladies first. Jean has been a professional photographer and has made it to the big time from doing small, her photos in small dark rooms to some of the most iconic stadiums that are flooded under the lights and has toured the world, as we said, not only for this book, but because of being a professional sports photographer. And Jeff has been in the game of baseball for 33 years and the past 25 years and actually retired last year from the Baseball Hall of Fame, where he was the president for the last 11 of those 25 years. So you guys are very dug in deep with the game. So first question is, before we get into the book, where and what is Grassroots Baseball as an organization? Jeff, I'll let you take that one. <laughs> okay, Gene. Uh, the Grassroots Baseball is uh, a not-for-profit organization, and our mission is to promote and celebrate the amateur game around the globe with a focus on, on growing interest and participation at the youngest levels. So by giving back, by providing inspiration, instruction, and equipment, um, we want to help ensure more children have that opportunity to learn, play, and enjoy the game. Now, obviously, I know things have been thrown off the kilter a little bit with this whole COVID thing and such, but have you guys been touring together uh, for this book prior? And I know, Jeff, you mentioned in recent emails that you guys are kind of trying to start up again with Route 66 tour, correct? That's correct. In fact, we just, we have, uh, we, we launched grassroots baseball last year along Route 66 uh, and uh, went across all eight states, traveled by RV, uh, clinics and boys and girls clubs uh, along the way, 10 of them, and introduced Hall of Famers to these kids and uh, who imparted their, their messages of uh, how important it is to enjoy the game and enjoy life and each of these Hall of Famers and baseball legends gave the kids their first glove and ball in a lot of instances. And uh, this year we were able to, uh, we, we, we started out in Puerto Rico before COVID hit with the, with the concept of taking grassroots baseball there. But with COVID, we're now back on Route 66 and uh, just returned from uh, some shooting out there. Well, Gene, obviously this is, I would say, definitely been your baby as a longtime photographer. But 
what was the inspiration on putting this book together and what made Jeff a good uh, partner in grassroots baseball? Well, there's many things that make Jeff a great partner in grassroots baseball. So that's a long list, but I'll start with the inspiration. Um, when I was shooting, when I was shooting the major league game and the professional game around the world, um, I always took time to shoot the grassroots game, the amateur game, and it's always been a passion of mine. And so if I was in Japan shooting the World Baseball Classic, I would take time to peel off and shoot Little League in Tokyo. Or if I was in Texas shooting the Rangers, I would take time to shoot uh, high school baseball. And um, Dominican Republic shooting Winter League, I would shoot street ball and sand lots in Mexico. And um, this collection of images of the amateur game really had never been seen. It was a personal project, you know, a passion of mine, what I love to do. And then during my tenure with the Baseball Hall of Fame as their traveling photographer, I had the opportunity to meet many of the Hall of Famers, do projects with them, take their portraits, and get to hear their stories of growing up playing baseball. And the stories were just terrific. Ricky Henderson's story, growing up in Oakland, uh, California. Rick Nolan's story, Cal Ripken's story of growing up in a baseball family. Vladimir Guerrero um, growing up in one of the most poverty-stricken areas of the Dominican Republic and what it was like for him growing up and playing baseball there. And I thought, how great would it be to tie in these stories of, of their young years of baseball with these images from around the world? And that's how Grassroots Baseball Where Legends Begin um, came about. Uh, and to answer the second part, you know, Jeff was just terrific with connecting me with the Hall of Famers and helping me gather the essays um, that they wrote and their essays are just terrific. I'm proud of the photos, but I'm even more proud of the essays that the Hall of Famers wrote. Um, close by you, Whitey Ford's story of growing up in New York and playing baseball and making it to the Yankees. Uh, it's just such a terrific story and stories that you don't hear uh, nearly as much. You hear about their playing days, but their early days, there's not too much there. And um, so these stories are unique, and a lot of them have never been heard before, and uh, it makes the book special. Well, Jeff, uh, since she brought that up that you led with a lot of the introductions and such, how did you guys come up with the list of 16 legends with 13 of them being Hall of Famers? That's a great question. And, and uh, you know, when I sat, when Jean and I sat down and she talked about the chapters and the regions, and we started to put together a list, um, we went three deep in each chapter because I explained to her, nobody, you never get everybody to say yes. And especially something with a book that, you know, that, that maybe is a little far, far afield for one of these guys that uh, may not have interest. And so we, we made an A list, a B list and a C list. And then every single person on the A list said, yes, they loved uh, the concept of the book of, of, of uh, telling their story in the region they grew up. They're familiar with Gene as our traveling, as the Hall of Fame's traveling photographer for a number of years. And we're certainly also aware of uh, how great a photographer she is. So when the pitch, when we made the pitches, um, every single one, every single guy said, "Where can I sign up?" And the essays prove it. They love uh, they love sharing their stories, and really, it's a, a great juxtaposition to say, "Hey, I'm uh, you know Hank Aaron, and I grew up in Mobile, Alabama, and if I can do this, you can do this." And that's what this book is all about. Well, before I ask about the fun of this project, that was probably you just brought up an interesting name with Hank Aaron, and there's a particular photo 
in the book, Gene, that I got a real kick out of. And that is with the teams on the front porch and you leave the empty seat there representing Hank. Was that a conscious decision or was that just something that happened when you were doing the shoots? Okay, well, this might have just become my most favorite interview. I am so happy <laughs> that of all photos you chose to ask me about, you asked me about that one. So thank you for going through the book the way you did for you to find that photo. And um, it was a special one for me. It was obviously very difficult. It was four baseball teams, all um, historically African-American high school baseball teams, and it was kind of the forgotten, you know, it's, it's all these forgotten places where um, scouts don't really uh, show up to these high schools anymore the way they used to. And there's such athletic kids playing baseball all around the country in places like Mobile, Alabama, where five Hall of Famers are from and, and Hank being one of the five. Um, so honoring him and everything he's gone through and then the the new challenges that these kids are facing um, it just became a very important photo uh, for me and for them and uh, I was so happy I didn't know if they were going to show up I had a lot of rain that week um, and it was only one day where they didn't have games all four teams and they just had practices and I only had a short period of time and they all showed up in full uniform and uh, they all got a copy of the image after and um, and we left like you said we left Hank's rocking chair um, uh, empty in honor of him and and uh, I was very proud also when I was able to give him a copy uh, personally so um, what was his reaction when you gave him that copy well the great when um, he looked through the the book uh, the mobile chapter the great thing that that well well fake well felt great for me was um, him saying wow this is really mobile which as a photographer, you know, that's what you want. You want to show that sense of place. And that's what grassroots baseball, where Legends Begin, is about. Baseball looks different in different places. And baseball in Mobile, Alabama, certainly looks different than in New York City and different in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, and Puerto Rico, and Texas, and all those places. And Mobile, Alabama um, has a very unique look to it and a sense of a style of baseball and uh, I feel uh, great uh, for him being able to recognize um, that it's, it's, it's mobile. Yeah, that's definitely home. He'd be somebody I always wanted to chat with because you guys are, wouldn't be aware of this, but I've been a member of the hall for four years since uh, Piazza and Griffey got in and have made the trek every year for induction weekend. And one of my favorite spots has always been Hank's section on the second floor there because, you know, just because of his story and everything surrounded it. It just, I'm glad that he's a part of this book. But how much fun was this project to put together in itself? Oh, it was a blast. You know, one thing about that section in Cooperstown, and Jeff can speak to this certainly better than I can, but my understanding is that Hank donated his entire collection to the Hall of Fame, everything he has, baseball-related. Is that right, Jeff? Yeah, it is. And uh, probably a guy that's also near and dear to your heart then is uh, Tom Seaver did the same. But that's how we were able to tell Hank Aaron's story, Gene. You're absolutely right in such a meaningful way in Cooperstown. Well, I'll be a little honest. Not that there's not anything wrong with Tom Seaver and hope he's doing health, good health-wise. 
but the guy that I got a kick out of, because I grew up watching him, and it's probably about an hour south of me, a little over an hour south, is some guy named Cal Ripken Jr. who did the introduction. Yeah, Cal, and he also did a chapter for um, Aberdeen, and um, his story is just, you know, s- such a wonderful story with his father and his brother, and being able to shoot um, at the Cal Ripken experience and what he's done in those facilities and the message that he gives to so many kids every year is just fantastic. I mean, he's like no other as far as passing on and giving back to the next generation and the generation after that. So uh, I was so proud to have him as part of the book, not only for obviously all the obvious things that he's done, making it to the Hall of Fame as a first ballot and having the biggest induction uh, of all time in Cooperstown, but for what he does now, uh, passing on to all the kids and and, um, all the give back is just tremendous year after year. And if you go to one of these facilities and you see how the kids learn and the the Ripken way, it's it's so impressive to, um, to document. Yeah, I've been down at a facility in Aberdeen. Unfortunately, I was going to go to a game, but it got rained out that day. But just that whole setup down there is awesome. But since we've talked about it a couple times here, Cooperstown, with with you guys uh, from different perspectives, obviously as a photographer and former president of the Hall of Fame, what does that facility mean to you? And what's the connection between... Obviously, we have the legends and Hall of Famers in the book, but what's the connection? Why does it feel like it has a grassroots feel in Cooperstown there? I guess is the best way to ask. Gene, you want to start or you want me to? Oh, I think that's your deal. I think it's natural then because it's such a pastoral setting. And when you think about baseball's earliest roots and, and how we enjoy the game, and when you're little, your focus isn't on anything other than that baseball diamond or the field you're in. That's Cooperstown. It's like a giant field. It's a town of 1,800, you know, two, uh, four hours north of New York City. And, uh, you know, so in terms of the connection to the grassroots game, it, it has that feeling. And it also brings back the feeling you had when you were a child. But I often tell people that I haven't been to the Hall of Fame. They say, what are we going to see when we get there? Are we going to be able to see the past? And what I tell them is you invariably find your own past. And I think your own past goes back to the grassroots game. And that's where that connection and bond becomes really strong. How about for you, Gene? Uh, real stand-up memories from Cooperstown as the photographer for the hall for many years? Well, you know, I was their traveling photographer. So most of, and they have a full-time photographer who's been there for years, who documents everything Cooperstown. So my role when I was going to the Hall of Fame, which I still do to document um, the inductions and their classic game was really a secondary role. Um, But most exciting for me is um, when I go back for induction is just hearing, not only hearing, hearing their speeches, but I like to sit in the back row. Uh, Photographers always want to be in the front row, but I like sitting in the back row of where the media is because turning around and seeing the, the family's reaction to their husband, dad, son um, on stage uh, and documenting that. So it's, you know, what they're saying and also the reaction from their family is just a memory. And, you know, you talk about um, just 
like Mike Piazza and, and, and the reaction his dad had when, when he was making his speech and seeing his dad, you know, crying um, while his son was on stage. And so those memories for me, uh, for Cooperstown during induction are just incredibly special. And, and then getting to know Johnny Bench and, and he kind of brings in the new Hall of Famers and sits down with them on the rocking chairs um, at the hotel, at the Otisaga, and talks to them about what, you know, what it means to be a Hall of Famer and being able to document a bit of that um, and, and just how special that, that band of brothers um, and they're united and they're teammates forever in Cooperstown. And, Experiencing some of that firsthand as a fly on the wall, but documenting has been uh, incredibly special for me. Well, you know, it's funny, and Jeff can probably speak to this on a lot more intimate level, but as I sit here talking with you guys, I'm looking at a photo in my office from yeah, well, last year, and Jeff will be familiar with the charity aspect of this, of the Ozzie Smith Play Ball events yearly on a Friday prior to induction Sunday. And it's me with Ozzy, Trevor Hoffman, Tommy, and Alan Trammell. And I remember during that whole session, Jim Tommy talks about that same story that Gene just brought up about, but it was Hank Aaron pulling him aside uh, during induction weekend when he got to town Wednesday or Thursday or whatever it was. And them just sitting at the hotel and getting to pick each other's brains because Jim was getting inducted that year. Pretty cool, special moment. But Jeff, were you involved in that connection between uh, Jim and uh, Hank there? Yeah, I think, you know, what ended up happening was, uh, you know, you, you get two great sluggers, uh, two big home run hitters, two guys who are um, considered the, the rocks of the game and, and, and hum, as human beings. And, you know, Jim was up, uh, Tommy was up having a tour of the Hall of Fame uh, ahead of his induction, and Hank called and wanted to speak with him. And that Jim Tommy couldn't believe he was getting a call from Hank Aaron. I mean, and Jim Tommy's a guy who had 612 home runs and not not a slouch. And the it, it it just shows you that the impact that these super legends have, or the guys that we hold to the highest esteem, have on the others. And uh, they all find their unique bonds. Gene, Gene is absolutely dead on where Johnny Bench took that role for years, but there's, and still does have that role of sitting these guys down and saying, Hey, look at who you are, where you are, the mantle you're wearing and enjoy it. But guys like Hank Aaron will just step up on his own and uh, reach out to a guy that he feels uh, could use a phone call or to congratulate him and welcome him to the hall of fame. And that's what makes that fraternity so special. Yeah. And I just, like I was saying, I just remember Jim telling that story that Hank said, Hey, I'd love to get together and chat with you. And, but so they get together up there at the hotel and they just sit and whether it was brunch or whatever the story, you could just see the emotion from Jim's face, even a year or two later, whatever it was when he was telling the story, he goes, wow, I'm sitting here with Hank Aaron hearing his story in person. It was just unbelievable. Yeah. And you could tell it was a genuine emotion too when he's telling the story. But Jeff, do you have any favorite moment over your 25 years with the hall? Oh, there's so many favorite moments that it's hard to, hard to pick out any one, but um, having the opportunity to get to know the hall of famers inside and out and, and realize that in, in, in general, the, uh, 
the common thread is is confidence over arrogance. It's a thin line, and and for those guys to get there to be successful all those years speaks more about their confidence than being arrogant. And you see that they uh, you have to be wound in a certain way and be pretty special to last a long time, and also be uh, you know appreciated by fans as so many of them are. And having that opportunity and then seeing some of the younger players uh, that I worked with. Uh, with the Red Sox and Yankees in the 80s and, and 90s, then get inducted. Guys like Wade Boggs and Jim Rice and Dave Winfield, uh, Goose Gossage, uh, also brought special meaning uh, since I've known them for so many years. Well, obviously, with the Hall, things got a little derailed this year with COVID, as we talked about early on. But what do you guys think is how that's going to be next year with the class we have with Jeter and all, but also we'll be including the class of 21 that weekend. That's well, your, your <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, you know, um, Gene made the great point from the Cal Ripken uh, who was elected in 2007 had the biggest induction ever. And you've been to Cooperstown and I know they're grateful for your support as a member and, and also being in the Ozzie Smith uh, play ball event. But, they had 82,000 people show up in a town of 1,800. And I mean, think about uh, the, think about where you live and 41 times your population showing up for an event and everybody's happy. It's pretty unusual. But when you look to Derek Jeter uh, and the class that he headlines, he's got that same charisma as Cal. And the players who made themselves uh, available to the fans, who allowed the fans to celebrate them, the, allowed the fans to touch them, are the guys who draw the most. It's guys like Cal Ripken, guys like Brooks Robinson, guys like Richie Ashburn in Philadelphia. The guys like that, guys like Derek Jeter, are the ones who draw. And there's no reason to think that, um, again, it's hard to know with COVID, but Jeter's a guy that could outpace Ripken in terms of attendance. Hey, in, uh, in Ripken's class, he had a uh, co-inductee and some guy named Tony Gwynn who's no slouch either. No. Oh. I mean, that it was the perfect storm thing because you had two players who were, who were endeared by the fans. They played on opposite coasts. They played in opposite leagues. They played for one team. And both of these guys not only were superstars, but were beloved by the fans. And you're right. Of the 82,000 in Cooperstown, there was quite a bit of, 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 of the brown and gold to go with the black and orange. And speaking of playing for one team, and this will be my last question for you guys, since you're both in California and... Do you guys think some guy named Mike Trout will stick with that whole contract and be with one team? Go for it, Gene. Uh, well, Mike Trout as part of the Angels, um, I don't get to document there as much, but they they do come um, through town quite a few quite a few times per year more, I guess this year because we're um, they're playing local teams. But um, I mean, everything uh, I've gotten to document for about Mike Trout. Um, He's just uh, a powerhouse. I don't know. What, what year is he in? Do you know, Jeff? I think he's just in his maybe his sixth year or something like that. Sorry. Something like that, six, seven. And the cool part about him, too, that I brought that name up, not only being with one, possibly being with one team since he got that mega deal, but he's also someone who grew up about 25 minutes from me as I sit right now. It's amazing. You know, you it, you, the one thing I could say, and I don't know Mike Trout very well, um, but I met his parents when he won uh, one of his MVP awards. And I just said, listen, I enjoy watching your kid play. And, you know, I'm up, we're up in Cooperstown and we love to document him. And his father looked at me and said, if he ever tells you, no, you just call us and we'll straighten him out. <laughs> so, I mean, he's got good parents 
And, you know, because of that, there's probably some loyalty. And I think if he had it his way, he'd probably stay with the Angels the whole time. Yeah. Well, anyway, the book is Grassroots Baseball, Where Legends Begin. It's You can get the books through the website, grassrootsbaseball.com. They're signed copies, but just support. Because, you, you know, speaking of which, the book is uh, – dedicate to several charities. Is there any one particular that sales are going to? We just finished a um, charity uh, for Ump's Care, and we have we still have signed copies by Hall of Famers um, for that charity. So if somebody's interested in purchasing a book um, signed by a Hall of Famer, you can go on the website, and uh, there's quite a few Hall of Famers. And though we ended that um, that fundraiser where we'd be happy to uh, send a book and send on a check to Ump's Care. They could always use, we're always happy to donate more to them. Well, like she said, can't say it any better. Visit their website, pick up a copy of the book. Uh, Jeff was nice enough to send one the show's way and beautiful book. And I know I want brownie points with Gene with that uh, Hank Aaron image I talked about, but <laughs> thank you guys so much. Oh, thank you so much for having us. It's a lot of fun. Thanks, and it was a pleasure. With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, 
Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact, Jack! Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out to contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about. Hi, I'm Bill Ripken, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. 